Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy, our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com. Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy, our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com. Who are you texting? My therapist. You text with your therapist? Text, video chat, call? Yep, that sounds too easy. How did you find her? I just went to betterhelp.com save. She's a licensed therapist and it's all online. I connect when it's convenient for me and don't waste time driving anywhere. Plus, it's affordable. I wonder if I should try it. It's great to talk to someone in confidence. She's helped me sort out quite a few things. And right now you save 10% off the first month when you go through betterhelp.com save. BetterHelp.com slash save. Got it. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Raider Nation. Welcome into Murph's Fan Cave. Tonight we have a really cool guest, an NFL writer for 23 seasons. He has contributed to Forbes, Gambling.com, Fansided, and is currently the host of the Believe in Raiders podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Welcome to the show, Bill Williamson. Welcome, Bill. Hey, Murph. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Great to talk to you. I've, uh, I've followed you from afar for a while now and, and, and seen everything you've done. Of course, follow you on Twitter and, and, and followed you through Raider Snake Pit and then now into the, to the Believe Podcast Network. Go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about what you've been up to lately and tell us about Believe. Uh, Believe is just a, uh, you know, a national podcast um, network that's kind of focused on everything, <clears throat> you know, sports and non-sports, um, but they want to really get into markets and have you know, have in each, in each sport. So it's a little, you know, of Oakland, they want to get the A's and the Warriors, and then once the Raiders go to Vegas, and you know, which is just months now, believe it or not, you know, they want to get Raiders and, and Golden Knights. So really kind of corner the market. And just twice a week, and I, I do a preview and then review, and then during the offseason, I'll do, um, you know, twice a week. And this is my third different Raider podcast. I'm really happy to be at Believe. Good deal. So now how long have you been covering the Raiders at this point? Well, you know, since 2008. You know, in some form, as I ESPN in a blog, and then I cover the Raiders, um, you know, at ESPN for a couple of years when we changed formats, and then I've been continuing on them. So, you know, for, for 11 years straight here. Wow, that's great. That's great. So, uh, all right, so let's jump into it. How happy are the Raiders that Antonio Brown is a Patriot? Well, I mean, I don't think they're happy that he's a Patriot because they gave up two draft picks and wanted him to be a Raider and spent all offseason game planning for him to be in their playbook. 
But I think they're happy that he's not a Raider after all of the stuff that's happened. You know, I mean, remember, we're only less than a week removed from him uh, apologizing to the team and John Gruden <laughs> picking him over Mike Mayock. So, uh, you know, but after all the, the stuff, yeah, I'm sure the, the Raiders are not missing him one bit, and they should. And it was a disaster and disrespectful and, and really disgusting actions, what, what he did. Absolutely. In, in Oakland. Absolutely. And do you feel like, can you remember another time where kind of universally the Raiders were backed on something? Because I mean, you think about all through the owl years and everything, it was always controversy. It was always high levels of criticism. I don't, and and I'm 46 years old. I've been a fan my entire life. I don't ever remember a time where it seemed like we were universally backed in a scenario. Can you? Can you explain that a little bit? Well, okay. And the fact that everyone recognized that Antonio Brown was dysfunctional, that he didn't do the Raiders any favors. He put them in an incredibly uncomfortable position and it wasn't anything anybody could have foresaw. The behavior was, was so erratic and so off the charts. It was unprecedented. Some of the things that he had done. And I mean, if we think about from this functional players from Javon Walker to Jamarcus Russell to whoever else it may be. There was never this, like the Raiders didn't set themselves up for this failure. Now you could question or not, whether he was, you know, mentally unstable or whether he was worth it and all that, but we've just seen an unprecedented level of erratic actions here. Haven't we? Yeah. I mean, Hey, this is, I mean, if you want, if you're asking me like if Raiders were at fault at this, I mean, this is a hundred percent Antonio Brown's fault. Hundred percent. He did all of it. Now the Raiders should. He was not a very nice person in Pittsburgh, <laughs> and he they benched him for discipline reasons while they're going for a playoff game in Week 17. And he was a total jerk to the city and people for three months. So there was warning signs, and so you know, and the Raiders could have done some things differently. So the, they didn't handle it perfectly, but. He's completely at fault. And from, you know, from Saturday morning on, the Raiders have done the great, the great thing and they moved on. And yeah, but yeah, I mean, he was in a complete, I don't even know what to call him. You know, <laughs> I, it, 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 it's just nuts and really bothers me. You know, I, it, it bothers me that Raider fans backed him up all the way until Friday. Oh. I put a very controversial tweet out there and I stand by it saying if John Gruden, if John Gruden plays him on Monday, and this is after he said he was, this is going to be the biggest mistake of his career. I meant leadership mistake, you know, and a lot of people got on me and a lot of people were rude, but I stand by it and it's true. And so what the point is, fans backed Antonio Brown because he's such a great player and they want him on their team, and I get that. And then on Saturday morning, that video that he put of him being, quote, freed was just disgusting rude, a slap in the face to every Raider fan. And so I completely understand that chant on on uh, Monday night in the Coliseum. <laughs> yeah. And if and if fans want to do that same chant uh, on Sunday, I'll completely understand it then too. Yeah, that was, you know, that was pretty, I mean, I'm a fan. We're a fan, you know, our show's called Raiders Fan Radio. I mean, we are a fan show and we don't yeah, uh, apologize, sure. you know? And so, I mean, we, we wear that on. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and yeah, it did. It was insulting. I mean, the, that level of display of behavior was absolutely just unfounded. There was nothing there that they're. Like, dude, what the Raiders do to you? They did nothing to you. <laughs> yeah. You, you can argue the series. I mean, you were in Pittsburgh, what, eight years? 
So there could have been some things that you didn't like and that made you disgruntled. I get it. But what did the Raiders do other than bend over backwards for you? Oh, they find you because you didn't show up for work. You you violated your contract. It just disgusts me that he acts like that as a human being. Maybe I'm overreacting. Not, but this guy has gotten a free pass, you know, for the last several years, and he and he knows it, and it's gross. I'm with you. I don't think it's overstating it at all. And based on not only our feelings of myself and my co-host, but all the feedback we get from our listeners who are global, it's a universal feeling. So no, I, you're, you're dead on bill. And I, I appreciate you vocalizing that. So let me ask you as being an insider and kind of seeing all this stuff, who benefits most in terms of his departure, we as the fans obviously are are, are going to uh, benefit because we won't have to deal with the the, the craziness of the the chaotic nature of the Raiders at times. But who internally, who in the building in Alameda benefits most from him leaving? Well, I think Mike Mayock because you know John Gruden is, is the leader of the team. He's going to make the decisions, and Gruden is going to you know Gruden showed that he chose the player. You know, even over a, an ugly situation on the field between Mayock and Brown. So I think that relationship can get repaired pretty quick. On the field, it's, it's Tyrell Williams because now he's the number one receiver. Right. And this guy has always been a number two receiver. And he gets – there's so many shining stars of that game Monday night. I was so impressed by what the Raiders did on Monday night. Tyrell Williams is one of the top you know, gold stars because he became a number one over, over the course of a weekend. And he had a 100-yard game. And, and he made big plays. So, fantastic for him. Let's see him do it again. Yeah, that was exciting, man. Seeing him catch those, especially those deep balls from Derek Carr. And we heard a lot of noise from fans. Oh, can Derek Carr still throw the deep ball? Yes, he can. And there was a, I'm with you. There's a lot of shining stars. A lot of questions got answered. Do you think that, is it fair to think that Monday Night Football was an indicator of, I mean, we, we, we all assumed the Raiders were going to be better. It was almost impossible for them to not be improved. Was this an indicator of, you know, the Raiders being something like a potential contender for a wild card or a 500 season? Like, what, did, what, did, what was our big takeaway from Monday Night? Well, Murph, all we know is what we know. And, you know, things are going to change over the course of the weeks. And, you know, week one is often not an indicator. But what we know right now is that the Raiders are going to compete. And I I think what I took away is that they're better everywhere. May not be perfect, but they're better everywhere. And I think they're going to be good enough to compete. That roster last year was terrible. And this year it's not. And I think John Gruden coached better. That was the key. He outcoached Fangio. He had Fangio's, um, you know, first game as a head coach. But Gruden was the better coach, and that. so I mean, it just it got elevated. So I'm excited to see what what's next. But yeah, I mean, it was really, it was really a near perfect night for them. And, and you know, guys like Josh Jacobs, I think he's going to be really good, and that's going to change the offense. And Farrell was really active. I, I I just I just loved what I saw across the board. And it was, and that's not a fan speaking. <laughs> I know. That's, I mean, a, that's a reporter. That's the end. So that you know what I mean. Yeah, that's and that's if, one of the reasons. If I didn't like what I see. I tell you. Yes, I know you would, and that's one of the reasons that I was excited to talk to you. Is that you're very good about being objective, and there are a handful of guys. You, uh, we, uh, Jerry McDonald's, another one. We're big fans of. Like there are a lot of guys out there that speak to it in a way that's objective, and you're you're not. 
you're not a fan, but you're not a hater either. I, I think that that it's well, there are people should call me a hater because it, it, it's no, it's really easy. There's just there's two things that can happen in a football game. A team could either be good or they could be bad. They can either win or they can lose. So if they win, good things happen. So that's what I talk and write about. If they're bad, if they lose, bad things happen. So that's what I talk about. It's really simple. It's 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 down to it's it's not you know it's like okay you're a hater well I guess I hate losing that's what I hate <laughs> so if losing's happening you know what I mean it's very simple absolutely well, I I appreciate you, you you vocalizing that as well and and you you said it was a near perfect night. Uh, I agree. Other than uh, sadly, a couple injuries. Looks like we're going to get Conley back. Do you think we're going to get him next week? And then my follow up to that is, how big of an impact is losing Jonathan Abram? Because I mean, that was another guy we were, I mean, incredibly excited about to see him flying around the football. So, talk to us a little bit about the secondary. Yeah, um, Conley. I mean, he, you know, he was limited, but Gruden said he almost did everything yesterday. I would almost, I, I get that they're playing Patrick Mahomes. I get it. I almost feel better if he didn't play this weekend, just as a precaution. Um, you know, he was brought out on a board. We all know that, and that's serious stuff. Now, I, I get that he's good, but I mean, and I trust the Raiders' doctors. If he's, if they if he's good, play him. But it's just like, man, I mean, he went through some trauma, and I and I saw a player in Al Wilson years ago in Denver when I was coming to Denver Broncos at the Denver Post um, that was taken off on a cart, and he played the next week. And he was really never the same, and he really didn't play much football again. So I'm not I'm not comparing the two. I'm not saying you know everything's different. But when a guy's taken on the board, I just hope they're hundred percent cautious with that. Um, you know, I mean, I'd rather a guy miss a week than the rest of his career. You know what I mean? Yeah. And again, I'm not indicating that's the case. I just want to, you know, it's just it was scary. Um, as far as Abrams go. Yeah, I think he's that is advertised. Um, it sucks that he's going to miss the rest of the season. It's going to hurt the Raiders. But if I was a Raider fan, I'd just go to bed every night, going, "Hey, I got a, I had a badass safety for you know, <laughs> for the next several years." Yeah, you know, and badass safeties can change the complexion of a defense and the attitude and the culture of a defense. So I think why it sucks that he just played one game. I think they got that pick right. Do you think that they're going to target anybody in the, in terms of signing like an Eric Berry or George Iloka or anything? Or are they going to stick with the roster? You know, there's been some contact with Iloka. Um, I, I think it was from his agent checking in. Um, I don't know if they're going to do anything right now. Um, you know, Gruden kind of indicated yesterday they might stay in house, but we'll see. I mean, that's going to be a, um, that's going to be a, a fluid situation, and you know, um, they're, they're kind of. There's kind of a hole there at safety, you know? I mean, um, yeah, Eric Harris can do it, but Eric Harris is part of a 4-12 and defense last year. I'm not yeah. saying Eric Harris was the reason why he was there at 4-12, and but you know what I mean? There's a reason why they took a safety in the first round. Right, um, right. You know what I mean? So, you know, this is this is probably Carl Joseph's chance to, you know, show the Raiders that maybe he should stick around next year, but we'll see. So you mentioned uh, we're facing Mahomes this week, and you know obviously this is probably, if not the tallest order in the NFL, it's it's certainly on the short list of of favorites to uh, to compete for a, for a title this year. 
what are we looking at this week? I mean, being down Abrams isn't going to, or Abram isn't going to help, but what is, uh, what is the outlook on the week? Do we, do we stand a chance to beat the chiefs? It feels like it's been forever bill since we beat the dang chiefs. And that was that Monday or whatever night it was Thursday night when we beat them in Oakland with the Derek cars past the, to Crabtree. But it's like, you know, from the days that Marcus Peters used to get, uh, you know, seemed like he was pick six and car all over the place. It just, it just, the chiefs have had our number. Do we, do we have a shot? Give us, Give us some hope, Bill. Sure. I mean, if you're the team I saw Monday night, you certainly have a shot. And I think you have a shot every week. You can compete. I mean, I was on a radio show yesterday, and I was asked, uh, you know, do we have a chance to compete? And I said, no, the question was, what do we got to do to, to compete? I said, well, no, this, I'm going to answer this, what you need to do to win, because I think you can compete. Um, yeah, it is a tall order, but, you know, maybe the Chiefs have a bad day. Maybe he throws five intercepts. You don't know. I do think the Raiders have a chance to win this game, um, but you're gonna have to get more. You're gonna have to get more turnovers than the Chiefs, and the Raiders are going to have to do what they did against Denver as far as scoring the red zone and keep the Chiefs from scoring the red zone. That was the difference in the game. Those red zone trips, you know. I mean, the Raiders dominated the line of scrimmage, and that's usually the the recipe to win, but. Those red, zone, those red zone trips are really the key. So if you can get seven in those red zone and keep the Chiefs to three, they got a real shot. Well, that would be encouraging because, I mean, starting off, you know, we got the big long stretch coming up and putting two division wins down right away, especially at home. That would be a, an awful nice way to, to, to start the season. So what do you think? Uh, I, know, I know we're only a week in. might be a little unfair to totally get you to be a Nostradamus for us here, but what do you think long-term expectation is for the Raiders in 2019? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, I would say um, let's say Ceiling, a, you know, a, a 10, 11 wins, and that's pretty dang good, I would think. That would be great. That gets you into the playoffs. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying they're going to, but I think that they could after seeing, after seeing what happened on Monday night. Now, you know, it's it's week to week. You know, I mean, maybe if if they stink on 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 week two, maybe my thoughts change. If they blow out Kansas City in week two, maybe my chance, my my. My ceiling gets higher, right. so you just don't know. But after week one, 10 11 win ceiling, I think that's pretty good. That gets you in the tournament. Absolutely. So I got, I want to respect your time. I appreciate you joining us again here on, on, on Raiders Fan Radio, Murph Fan Cave Podcast Network. And check out Bill on the Believe Podcast Network, and it's uh, Believe in Raiders. Uh, and you can also find him on Twitter and, uh, and, and a host of other areas where he contributes, fan-sided, Forbes, gambling.com. And so uh, appreciate your time today. So let me ask you just a couple more things. One, Bill, have we – and I'll just tell you, I'll speak for myself – as a Raider fan, one of the things that was the toughest thing for me year in, year out was the instability at the top of the organization. It was always uncertainty. And while Al was responsible for a certain amount of chaos, and I think that he liked it that way, there just seemed to be like, I mean, especially towards the later years. And it was just, it was kind of tough because it just felt like it was just erratic. And it was very, t and then here we had this Antonio Brown thing. And it was like, oh my gosh. And it was like, are we back to this again, to this being this kind of dysfunctional organization? Well, now that they've handled this situation the way that they have, let me ask you your long-term approach to the team as, a, as far as front office health. Are we finally at a point where we've got stability and we're going to operate like a functional franchise for the next however many years? Yeah, you're not going to like the answer. Uh, but I mean, <laughs> That's okay. We want the truth. 
six days ago, you weren't functional, you know? (laughs) Okay, fair enough. You know what I mean? So Antonio Brown, they were going to let this guy play. This guy. He was just close to playing. But then he continued to be an a-hole at the very least. And enough is enough. So I don't give the Raiders gold stars for the way they handled Antonio Brown. I give them gold stars the way they handled it afterwards. You know, yeah. they, they, they that team and that coach really came together. But it was a mess. They they allowed him to do that. I You know, again, I don't want to be anybody yelling at me, but it it would be disingenuous to say the Raiders handled the Antonio Brown thing with great aplomb because they didn't. They did until they did. They did when they had to, but there was a very messy until Saturday. So I don't know. I, I you know, we'll, we'll see. But um, yeah, I think the, I think the organization's on the right track as far as the roster goes. So we'll see how that goes. So, okay. you know, that's a good start. Yeah, winning cures all, right? So absolutely, on field yeah. performance, yes, sir. All right. So let me ask you one last thing. Uh, all of our guests, we always like to get a get a message to Raider Nation, man. Message to the fans. What do you, whatever it comes to mind, you know, we're heard. Uh, like I said, all over the globe, man. What's your what's your message to the to the nation out there? Enjoy this week. Soak this week up. This is a one hell of a win for you. Soak it up. There we go. Good deal. All right, Raider Nation, you heard it here. He's Bill Williamson. Uh, check him out on the Believe Podcast Network. Bill, I can't thank you enough for your time today, man. It's been a lot of fun talking to you. Yeah, anytime. Thanks for having me. Progressive is proud to honor our veterans by donating vehicles to move their lives forward, especially in times of need. This year celebrates eight years and more than 750 vehicles donated. Learn more about their Keys to Progress program and plans for 2020 at keystoprogress.com. Progressive is proud to honor our veterans by donating vehicles to move their lives forward, especially in times of need. This year celebrates eight years and more than 750 vehicles donated. Learn more about their Keys to Progress program and plans for 2020 at keystoprogress.com. Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy, Our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com. Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy, Our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com.